Hello, and welcome to the Organizing for Change podcast. The goal of this podcast is to equip coalitions, organizations, and individuals to bring change to their communities. The host of the Organizing for Change podcast is the coalition coordinator for Avon, Massachusetts, Amanda Decker. Thank you for listening. Welcome to episode six of the Organizing for Change podcast, where our goal is to equip coalitions, organizations, and individuals to bring change to their community. I'm your host, Amanda Decker, and in this episode, I had the chance to have a conversation with Chief Dave Martineau and Deputy Chief Jeffrey Bucunt from the Avon Police Department in Avon, Massachusetts. Building relationships are one of the keys to creating community-level change. The Avon Coalition is located in Avon, Mass., which is about 20 minutes south of Boston. So in 2009, Uh, The Avon community took a survey called the Youth Risk and Behavior Survey, which surveys young people on healthy decisions and unhealthy choices that they're making. And that data came back with the report that 47% of Avon high school youth were engaged in underage drinking. As a community, Avon decided to mobilize together to address this community problem with community solutions. The community formed ACEs, which is their drug-free coalition, and created a strategic plan using data to address multiple issues. As a result of the hard work in the community, eight years later, underage drinking has been significantly reduced down to 18%. One of the key partners in addressing this issue was and continues to be the Avon Police Department. You will hear in this episode the importance of building relationships, both police with the community, including our youth, and the community with the police. As you listen in on our conversation, I hope it will inspire you and give you some ideas as to what change is possible when everyone works together for a common cause. And now my conversation with Chief Martineau and Deputy Chief Bukant. I'm really excited because we have uh, representatives from the Avon Police Department and I'm just gonna let them introduce themselves to our listening audience. Dave Martineau, Police Chief for the Town of Avon. Uh, Jeff Bukant, Deputy Chief with Avon Police Department. Awesome, and thank you guys for both being here. And today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, law enforcement and working on the other end to reduce uh, access to drugs and alcohol uh, by youth and just different things that we've done in Avon to make a difference and kind of how police can work with the community to reduce youth substance abuse. So if you just want to tell us a little bit about your involvement in the Avon Coalition and kind of what you've done, Chief, over the past few years and things that you think are important, especially if other law enforcement are listening to this podcast and, um, you know, ways they could get involved uh, in working together with the community. Well, like you stressed, it's, it's a collaborative approach. I mean, the, the um, police are just one small facet. Uh, you know, the parents, the community, the teachers, uh, you know, communication is imperative in every aspect of uh, life, and and you know, I guess very much so in this uh, to communicate to the, the young people that you know not everybody does do drugs, and that, that there's many you know dangers that go along with the uh, with the use of the drugs, and and you know talk about it in a in a you know in a real aspect of what you know what can occur you know not sugarcoating it and then you know not making it so that you know yeah you know just an actual talk and i think nowadays 
young people, they do, you know, I mean, because of media, be it social media, they have a pretty good idea of, you know, the realization of what does happen. So you can't magnify it. You know, you have to, you have to speak to them in, in a real, you know, real time and, you know, in real situations. I think that's so important because people, you know, kids can read right through it. They can Google a fact before, you know, you know, and for you to say something, a lot of times adults will try to like paint a really unrealistic picture of something and the kids have already got the information on their phone and they're fact checking whatever you're saying. So yeah, you're definitely right. It's important to tell them just it is what it is and tell it like it is. You know, and we've been embraced by organizations such as yourself and, and the school to, to, to you know and welcomed us into their uh their fold uh, <clears throat> you know the, the kids to your credit you know the the numbers have dropped the uh, i guess the participation in that culture i think and the, and the realization of the dangers that go along with it uh, have helped so that you know they realize that there are other avenues and other ways to, to live life. Yeah. I was thinking about just some of the stereotypes that communities have when working with different sectors. And what would you say some of the stereotypes somebody who's not with law enforcement might have about working with the police to address this issue? And just what are some things that you think you can encourage them to just rethink the issue or think about? Well, um, you know, the mantra you're hearing now is that we can't arrest ourselves out of the problem. I mean, the opiate problem is just it's gotten so great that the police have changed I believe their thought about it whereas um, you know it's not necessarily like I said arresting it's more or less trying to I don't know if embrace is the right word but try to understand and try to you know be a conduit Mm -hmm. for avenues so that they can seek uh, help and assistance in the recovery Mm -hmm, definitely Um, and I think sometimes, too, just when youth see police officers and they're not in trouble for anything, they're just at an event to, like, support them or whatever, it kind of breaks down that stereotype that, like, oh, you know, that's all they care about. They're here to arrest us. And I think I've seen a culture shift in just law enforcement in general. Not that they haven't always been involved in, like, the community policing part, but I've seen that change a lot in just the presence of police at different places, you know, just to build relationships with the community and young people. That's been a neat change to see. Um, what do you think of that, or what have you seen around around that? No, I definitely agree with that. Um, you know, and I hate to, you know, throw a bomb, but a lot of times parents, you know, they'll, oh, don't do that. The, you know, the police will arrest you. And right? as young as the age of buckle up, you know, instead of so seeing us as assistants, they, they, they use us as the, uh, you know, the bad guy yeah that's that's a really good point and so for people to listen out there to realize you know if you start telling young people that at a really young age you're painting a picture in your head that the police are here and their only reason is you know yeah and they want to avoid us whenever they know they're doing something wrong right so what would you say to parents like what what would they say to their child like how could they talk to their child differently well that's a good question i mean uh <laughs> jeff you're a parent Chime in here. Well, I think the the, the chief touched on it perfectly when he just talked about the educational aspect of the problem. Mm -hmm. And um, education doesn't have to be formal education or instruction or classroom instruction, but, you know, non-enforcement activities between the police and and our youth. Right. And, um, you know, for example, there's a concert tonight 
in Avon mm-hmm. to Marco Park um, for Flag Day. So we'll be out there and we look forward to interacting with, with the youth and, and uh, young kids and their parents in, in a non-enforcement interaction. I saw something fun our community did. Uh, the kids got to like um, get awards for different things they did, and one of their awards was that they got to ride to school in one of the police cars. I don't know if you read that, but that's, yes, ma'am. Yeah. that's such a great idea, you know. So it's encouraging for a young person they get to see the police. They're not in trouble for anything, and it's a reward to get to hang out with the police. Um, and I thought that was a great idea, like little things like that, and that message spread through a lot more people than just the young person that won that award because it was posted on social media and everyone's commenting about how nice it is that we do that in our community but just little things like that they go a long way when it comes to you know talking to a a child and also to the rest of the community like the police are you know here to help um what are some things that you've noticed have changed over the last few years just in in with drugs in general you know like it's changed a lot in the last few years negative and positive in our community Um, but what are some of the things that you've seen well again the opiate epidemic epidemic I mean it just uh, how it's exploded and how it's reached every stratus of uh you know social Mm -hmm. economic it it just it's amazed me you know when we grew up um the culture was anybody that touched that stuff. I mean, there was taboo, and, and you know anybody who, who used a needle, and uh, that taboo was gone. I think that stigma is gone. Uh, so a lot of the people maybe. Uh, mm-hmm. I I hate to say it. It's more accepted, but I I, I believe it may be. You know, mm-hmm. the extreme, mm-hmm. the heroin and the the opiates. Yeah, we've lost a lot of people in Norfolk County. You know, just I was looking at the the data and it just keeps on going up. What are some things that you think could be done to change that um, from your perspective? Uh, I, I think it's well out of my comprehension. I mean, and the drugs and what they, that cough fentanyl now. I mean, yeah. I think you look at the stuff in your OD the, the way that it. We can put that in the show notes for people who are listening that are like, cough fentanyl, what is that? We'll put that in the show notes. People. You know, yeah, because that, that's relatively new. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And easy to access. That's something else I've noticed too, is just how easily mm-hmm. access, you know, drugs like this are. I, I don't know who's manufacturing this stuff, uh, mm-hmm. or where it's coming from, but it seems like it's accessible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, people are dying, so they're getting it. Um, uh, fentanyl and heroin in our area, so I mean, it's it's happening. I think the car fentanyl showed up in Brockton. Yeah, I saw said, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking too, so we were talking a little bit about how a lot of people who started out using pain medications, you know, pain medications are really expensive and hard to afford, and whereas heroin and fentanyl are a lot cheaper. So people who are looking for that same kind of high and you can't afford it, you know, they ran out of money and now they're switching over to drugs like heroin or fentanyl um, because it's, just, it's cheaper. Um, and that's a trend that's been seen in Massachusetts over the last few years too. And, um, you know, a lot of people who've started out, I think it's like if you use pain medications, your chances of using heroin go up 40 times if you're, you don't have a pain medication problem. And um, that's, you know, something to think about uh, going back upstream and finding out like why are people using those things or how, why are they obtaining those in the first place. 
I'm not placing blame, but it is, you know, I guess somewhat responsibility falls upon the medical field. There were journals 10, 15 years ago um, saying that the Oxycontins, they didn't believe that they were as addictive as they are. And uh, I don't know if it was uh, through ignorance or just, you know, they didn't study enough. But yeah, there are many innocent or uh, I guess unsuspecting people that got addicted because Mm -hmm. of... um, like you say, accidents, toothaches, um, tooth extractions, you know, and and you have a, a small element of society that became addicted through right. no fault of their own, you yeah. know. Um, and that's something Massachusetts has changed too. So, like, some of the laws that have been passed in Massachusetts, one is the prescription monitoring system. And so um, I know with the district attorney's office, they kind of have, like, a task force that works together and they hired a pharmacist to go out to make sure that pharmacies are actually using the monitoring system, doctors are using it, but um, there's not a whole lot of teeth in that law, whereas if you're not using the system, there's not a lot of penalties or anything that can happen to you. So that's something that they work on, you know, looking at and evaluating, uh, making sure it works, because it's not that great if you have a system that people aren't using. But um, I've noticed a lot of other states are moving forward to try to get a prescription monitoring system going, and there's a lot of debate about that too. Now, but, um, if I'm sorry to interrupt you. Have they done anything in Florida? Because supposedly that's where majority of your pill factories Yeah, are, they right? have done a lot of things to shut down the factories, um, but people have moved too, you know, like so factories have moved and gone to other states that are more lenient and, um, you know, restart up their operation there. And I know in this area they were able to successfully like, shut down a few, you know, doctors for over-prescribing or people that are, you know, not doing what they're supposed to do. But I mean, like, again, like you said, a lot of doctors, you know, they're just going off the information that they knew, you know, hearing that a medication was safe. And, and it's the same with our young people. So kids still think that because it's a prescription that it's safer. Like if you tell them heroin, they have an idea in their, their mind, like, oh, that's probably bad. But if you go to a party and you're like, my mom's pain pills, they don't understand, like, that's, you know, there's similar... Um, chemical makeup for those two things and so that's been one thing that we worked really hard with in Avon is to let young people know that you shouldn't be taking anybody's prescription medication it doesn't matter you know if your mom or your dad or whatever it doesn't it doesn't matter like if it's in your home and it's not prescribed to you you shouldn't be taking it and same with sharing it with your friends you know your friends in a lot of pain like it's your medication don't share it with them um, and just changing that. And I know that there's been a, a cool new programs in Massachusetts where they start talking as young as second grade about just prescription safety and what that means. And that's made a difference in the communities that have started talking to kids about, you know, prescription medication. And that, that's a great point <clears throat> that we've realized that education really has to start sooner now. Yeah. And in the past, we've tried to shield some of our really young children mm-hmm. from the ugly side of drug addiction. Yeah. Um, but we realize to be successful, we have to start educating earlier. And what yeah. when you talk about educating earlier, what kinds of things have you seen to be effective or just what kinds of methods have you seen to be effective? Uh, well, not just on the dangers of drug use, but the, the upside of good decision making. Mm-hmm. So if you can start with that as a fundamental, make good decisions, and then that can lead into, you know, uh, educating on, on drug abuse and, and uh, being a leader you know, in yep. your circle of friends, so that if you see one of your classmates making a bad decision, be the leader, step up, stop them, or, or get some assistance from a police officer, or, 
or a parent or a teacher, mm -hmm. an alert, you know, responsible person that this person may be going down the wrong path. Right. And uh, just just as we can educate our, our medical sector yeah. and our pharmaceutical sector. And um, obviously there's a financial side to that as well when mm -hmm. you look at the relationship between the ph pharmaceutical industry and physicians. And so mm -hmm. it's a very, very complex, complex problem. Yeah. I know one of the things we did too in Avon is we've hosted a few like community events where we have all the different sectors of the community kind of talk about their perspective. So we did an event where we had, um, you know, the police, we had uh, like our health sector, we had youth, we had students, and we put on kind of just a forum uh, just to talk about just what we've seen and some of the things that parents should know and just being able to educate them a little bit about Know, what's going on specifically in your community and that's been helpful too. Um, something unique that Avon started was they started uh, something called the social norms campaign and that's basically uh, what the chief just said like letting young people know that a lot of kids are making good decisions because positive peer pressure can work just as well as negative peer pressure and letting kids know that it's okay to do the right thing. And that's been a shift. So every year, every other year, Avon measures kind of like the data and does a lot of like focus groups and things like that with young people. Mm -hmm. And there's been a shift in the last five years where young people will say, I do believe that not everyone here uses. Whereas five, six years ago, the perception by a young person was that every teenager is gonna use drugs and alcohol, which is not true. And um, it's been fun to see some of those kids as the leaders and just be proud of that whereas maybe in the past they wouldn't talk about that so much or you know be happy to tell everybody i don't use drugs or alcohol um but to see those kids be feel empowered to stand up and say yeah i'm one of those kids that's been really neat in avon any other words that you want to say uh last few words that you want to say to people who are wondering um, about even how to build a relationship with law enforcement so we have to do this drug-free communities and one of the requirements is that you have to have law enforcement as part of that, but there are lots of coalitions out there who are starting and maybe haven't uh, had police to the table. So just any suggestions for them? Um, you know, I always stress to our guys approachability. Uh, you know, driving around the cruiser all the time, that, that the cruiser can be a barrier. Uh, you have to break down those barriers so that you reach you know, youth or, or everybody. And, and the same thing, they, you know, they, they place barriers, the, you know, the younger people. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's not cool to talk to a cop or whatever. I, I think, uh, again, approachability. And if I could plagiarize a concept from the uh, DARE program of the 80s, another thing is consequences. And I think you touched upon it. I mean, there's negative consequences, but there's also positive consequences. Like you say, mm -hmm. staying away from, you know, the drugs and stuff. It's just going to enhance your life, your ability, you know, how far you can go and how far you can succeed in right. life. And, and, you know, younger people have to realize that for every action, there's a consequence, be it a good consequence or a bad consequence. I think that's fascinating that you brought that up, too, because I was reading about uh, there's a lot of studies that say that D.A.R.E. didn't work. But the piece of it that did work was the fact that, like, police reinforced the positive consequences for um, and that's worked because they were a positive role model in that young person's life. And um, the scare kids away from using drugs, that piece didn't work. Um, so people want to just throw out the whole entire program and say it all was, you know, for naught. And um, having reinforcing positive consequences still works today. Um, and I'd like to expand upon that too. 
there was a lot of money funneled into that program. Mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that the do- all the dollars were the best spent, but to put a negative aspect on it, uh, I, I think it is a little bit short-sighted. I know, I mean, I'm quite a, <laughs> I'm old. I know there's a lot of now young adults that I had as students that still remember me, that still, um, right. you know, that made the right decisions. Yeah. And I think in this small community, I think, or I'd like to think what I did, did have an impact on on some of the individuals. And some now that I call my friends and some that I work with, mm-hmm. um, you know, officers, uh, firemen, and, you know, other members of the community. Yeah. So and it, it does bother me when that. they say, oh, you know, it was a failed attempt. But you could say the same thing about scared straight. When, when mm-hmm. I was in school, you know, the, where they really embellished some of the dangers of, you right. know. Uh, and, uh, but you're right, though. That relationship building that happened between the police and youth, you know, they scrapped out that whole entire program. And now there's not that strong relationship, you know, with police going in on a regular basis, talking to kids. And um, it, it was beneficial because the kids knew who you were and they were willing to talk about things like this. So that part, you know, still um, is valuable. And for people to throw that part out, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And, and the deputy and I feel strongly, you know, when our department is fully staffed, we'll have a school resource officer. So at least there's, there's an officer in the school so that the, the children can see and, you know. And that's, that is working all across, you know, the United States. I've seen so many young people that they'll tell me, they, I've heard young people tell me, you know, all oh, the police are scary, but then they'll reference the resource officer and talk about what a great person they yeah. are. So I, I think that's a brilliant idea. Um, any last thoughts from you just about if somebody is out there and they're listening to this podcast and they're wondering, you know, how to either they're law enforcement and they're wondering about getting involved in, more involved in, this whole effort or if you know you are um, a community member and you're wondering how to get the law enforcement involved well <clears throat> I think it's all important and every interaction matters whether it's an interaction with one of their classmates or their friends and uh, when it's positive you know <clears throat> we spoke earlier about leadership making good decisions you know and we also understand that good people sometimes make bad decisions and we're there to you know try to turn them around and, and explain to them, you know, why they're going down the wrong path, and maybe give some advice and, and give some personal in, um, personal aspect to it because we were once just like they were. Right. We were students. We had parents. We had friends. We had friends in the neighborhood that, that made good decisions and, and some that didn't. So um, one-on-one interaction is something that we love to do with, with kids and with parents. Mm-hmm. And as the chief mentioned, we're, we're very accessible. So feel free to walk up to us or give us a wave or engage us uh, really 24-7. We're always, we're always around. And, and um, you know, I think it's, it's the chief mentioned earlier, it's a collaborative effort. Um, but we'll get there, you know, and, and, and sometimes things that aren't easy are really, you know, in the end, we, we see how much value there is in accomplishing something. Absolutely. You know, one day at a time. It's true. Absolutely. Yeah, so for the listeners out there, like they said, get involved and, you know, start, initiate the relationship and uh, make the, take the first step. And uh, I just want to thank you both for being on our podcast and um, people can listen in the show notes and we'll reference some of the different things like car fentanyl or uh, other things that we might have mentioned that if you're driving and you wanted to write that down, please don't worry, we wrote it down for you and uh, you can check that out. 
For more information from today's podcast, check out our show notes. There you can find our contact information, social media, and website. Please get in touch with us if you have any comments or questions. And if you like today's podcast, please share it with your friends. Thanks for listening.